is the experience for the consumer. They strap on a headset and dive into this virtual world. And are they just walking through a store? Like what is that for the customer that experience like right now? Most of the direct consumer applications have been in what we call basically 2D, 3D. It's being able to interact with a dimensionalized space within your persistent systems. You should be doing something now if that's part of your long-term strategy. Otherwise, there's plenty of people that have a lot of experimentation, a lot of learnings, and are developing expertise in this space. Welcome into the Independent Thinking Podcast. This is your host, Rob Stott. We are kicking off the new year of the Independent Thinking Podcast with a rather futuristic conversation. Um, or, well, if you, you were to ask him, he'd say it's the now. But uh, Steve McLean, the CEO of ReadySet, a company that is heavily involved in the virtual reality space, uh, specifically as it relates to retail and um, having a conversation, a, a term you may have heard if, if you follow the technology space at all, or uh, our CE retailers are, are likely aware of the metaverse and, and sort of the, um, the conversation that's been happening, ar happening around that virtual reality setting and um, how you know, retailers are getting involved in that space and brands. And, and it's just a, a, a very um, you know, unique conversation and opportunity to talk about the future of retail and and Steve and Ready Set are at the forefront of that, you know, with what they're trying to do, creating these retail environments and commerce uh, enabled environments where uh, you know consumers can strap on a, a VR headset, go shopping, and uh, pick up product, put it in their virtual carts, and and just have a very unique and personalized. And as we you know come to to find out in our conversation here with Steve, uh, a, a hyper personalized experience with the the, the retail industry in a virtual setting. So it's a, a space that's new um, in terms of, you know, allowing consumers to shop, but VR has been around for a while and it's been maturing and uh, watching the adoption, the consumer adoption continue to grow. It's a space that, um, you know, the NRF big show that that's coming up later this month, they're getting serious about and, and actually dedicating an entire area of the show to virtual reality. So, um, maybe time to pay attention. And that's why we wanted to have Steve on and have Ready Set on to talk about this space and how, you know, independent retailers can approach it. And, um, you know, if you're not thinking about the consumer side, then, you know, at the very least, there's opportunities to, to look at virtual reality and how you can leverage it on the business side to, you know, do things like sh showroom planning, store planning, you know, planning the, the layout and merchandising of your store, training, all sorts of different you know, aspects of virtual reality that can, you know, be applied to your business and how you're approaching things. And uh, just a cool conversation. You know, the, the tech nerd in me got excited to have this talk with Steve and dive into, you know, what ReadySet's doing. So excited to share it with you. This is Steve McLean, CEO of ReadySet here on the Independent Thinking Podcast. All right, we are back on the Independent Thinking Podcast and kicking off another year of the podcast um, in pretty cool fashion. A, a futuristic, I feel. Well, I you know I say futuristic, but for you guys, the future is here. Mr. Steve McLean, the uh, CEO of Ready Set, a virtual reality company um, that we're excited to dive into, focuses pretty heavily in the retail space, and um, you know it's a it's a new and exciting space to a lot of our listeners, but. 
uh, you know, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I first of all just appreciate you taking the time and, and joining us. You know, just a few weeks out from uh, a big retail show that again we'll get into, and uh, you know, taking the time to, to chat with us about you know what you guys are all about. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Delighted to be talking with you today. Yeah. So, well, let's start with uh, yourself. You know, tell us about you know who Steve McLean is and and kind of your background and, and path to becoming CEO of ReadySet. Sure, absolutely. So um, my educational background is in uh, more on the behavioral science side. So degree in psychology, always been intrigued by, uh, you know, sort of the, the behavioral underpinnings, the drivers, what makes us do what we do, um, which as we go forward in the conversation, you'll see that maybe manifest a bit in in, in part of what Ready Set is. Um, in, uh, in 1999, um, uh, co-founded a company called Wild Blue. Uh, our job was basically to, it's an experiential design firm with a heavy retail focus. So uh, that company's still in existence. Um, we work with brands and retailers to sort of imagine what the future of retail could be. Um, that comes in the form of understanding emerging technologies, emerging behavioral trends, uh, dietary trends, whatever it might be, and try to come up with new and unexpected solutions to engage with, um, you know, with shoppers, consumers. Um, so as part of that, um, because you're sort of your ideas are new to world, um, we we needed tools to be able to convey effectively what those ideas were going to be to stakeholders, right? And so that they could understand them and experience them. And so early on, we started leveraging VR a lot as basically a means by which to deliver those immersively, right? What, you know, have the experience firsthand is a much more compelling way to deliver a value proposition around a new idea. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was, that was received really, really well. Um, uh, getting, you know, sign off on projects became much, much easier. Um, and it was kind of the start of the world speaking with pictures instead of words, right? Because you could make whatever pictures you wanted in, in VR. So um, really effective in that regard. Then what we started talking about and thinking about was really how can we sort of test and learn these new ideas more quickly and for less cost, right? How can we get them into market, prove their viability, get an ROI calculation on this new idea uh, prior to scale? And the old way of doing it of, you know, identifying a test store, um, identifying a control store that you can compare to, um, going through all of the necessary steps to, you know, and disruptions to build that prototype or that feature or that, that new category vision or whatever it was, um, was just really cumbersome and time consuming. And, um, you know, obviously there's lots of players involved. You have brands involved, you have retailers involved, you have ops involved, you have, you know, the, you know, the disruptions to store traffic, all of that. And just the time it took to get those things implemented and get your feedback. A lot of times you would run out of traction, I guess, on the idea because, um, you know, people take on new positions or, uh, you know, that uh, sort of the excitement wears off. And so, what we've tried to really think about is how can we really kind of create, in essence, a time machine, a way to be able to create something that doesn't exist yet, but get very reliable predictive analysis on how that new idea was going to perform. And as part of that predictive analysis, get a very strong ROI, very strong metrics on how that idea would um, 
you know, would, would perform in the real world. And so you could speed that up because now all of a sudden that's where your idea lives. That's where, what the tool you're using to explain it. So if we can augment that with all the interactivity and all of the, you know, hundred percent to scale, high def, everything and capture all that data, you're just migrating that asset into a space for that predictive analysis. And then that same asset gets migrated into, hey, here's the results. Here's what people went through. Here's what they experienced. Here's the results. So um, so we built ReadySet really as a means of, you know, an extension of what we were doing that then we spun off on its own because it was uh, very well received. Yeah. I mean, it, as you're talking about it, I'm sitting here like kind of in my mind, my mind's blowing a little bit because it's something that you realize that virtual reality, I think, Initially, a lot of people are like, well, that's a, to your point, a great space where you can test how something, you know, how, how a person, you know, in that environment, they're not, obviously not in the physical environment, but they're in a, vir a virtual environment, how they're going to interact and kind of engage with that setting, um, you know, as if they were really there. And, you know, you're using it as a way to sort of e experiment and, and see how slight variations and, and things like that of that environment impact the way they engage but you know what started out as a testing tool is actually something that can be done and and recreated and be used virtually is kind of what you guys found out yeah exactly i mean the the behaviors in the virtual space are hyper similar to what they are in the physical world everything's to scale super high resolution completely interactive um, if you want something you reach out and grab it if you want to put it in your cart you put it in your cart uh, the sight lines are the same, the, you know, the, the locomotion, the path through the store, all of those things. And so we found out really early on, it was, it, it was kind of a, not a good idea to put chairs and tables and things in <laughs> VR space, because invariably people within minutes of being in the VR space perceive the environment that they're taking in as real and physical. And so that's what makes the, the predictive analysis so valuable is, is that hyper-realism and, and people forgetting kind of where they are, that they're not in a real world. It, now, as you were, you know, building out the testing environments, that they, like, did you see the natural progression that it could be something that was very, you know, able to be picked up and, and used in, in the way that ReadySet is? Or did it sort of just come, sort of as I'm sitting here, think of it in that sort of way where you're doing it and then all of a sudden you have like an aha moment that you could, you know, end up having a, a business like ReadySet? Yeah, we, we've... We've always talked about and, and spent a lot of time, as you know, from a Wild Blue perspective in imagining virtual commerce, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of those emerging texts. And it's one of the things that we explored and built proof of concepts for. Um, and so we had already kind of, we're in the mind space of this is going to be another means of commerce, right? It, it's the, the technology, the, the technology just has to catch up to the promise, but we're all going to kind of get there. Um, but this, use this whole idea of a digital twin for enterprise and being able to be sort of multidisciplinary and that single asset philosophy of, you know, build it once and leverage it across all of these use cases started to really crystallize. And then we were saying, well, why can't we use the same tool for, you know, assortment optimization? Why can't we use the same tool for, you know, testing product development, packaging innovation, all of those types of things, category, just marketing communications in the box. And then it's all the way up to, well, stores are constantly evolving, the size of the box, the, the configuration, the flow, all of those things. So why not be able to test the effectiveness of new store concepts 
before you, you know, pick up a hammer or drive a nail, right? And and understand what works and what doesn't and and iterate until it's perfect. So yeah, it, it really it really came together that, that multidisciplinary aspect was such a huge um just a huge benefit. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, well, I want to back before we dive any deeper, I want to back up a little bit and go higher level because I know a lot of our listeners, you know, the independent retailers, um, yeah, they, they may have heard things like metaverse thrown out there, virtual reality. I want to give you the chance kind of to to set the stage for them of what this is. What when you're talking about virtual reality, virtual commerce, um, I mean, down to the basics. Like, I, you know, I I think the the understanding they have is like, all right, virtual reality. Yeah, it's the headset that we put on and 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 that sort of thing. But I mean, can you kind of walk us through what, um, you know, what what virtual commerce is or what the metaverse is? How would you explain that to someone that, um, you know, an independent retailer that might not have heard the term before? Sure. Um, so, believe it or not, there's no sort of universal consensus as to what our definition of the metaverse, what it is, right? Um, uh, in fact, um, you know, in, in, in some cases, it's, it's kind of a very polarizing term, right? People within the industry, people that, uh, participate in, in sort of the development of, of, of things related to this term are like, this is, it's the M word to them, right? <laughs> um, uh, for people, um, outside the industry, you know, um, they may they may have a more literal interpretation of you know of Neil Stevenson's snow crash right and this sort of um, ubiquitous um, you know universe interactive universe where everything is connected in a in a space um, so it really comes down to whether you want to view it as you know the a component right a tool an asset a thing a technology that is a contributor to that broader you know sort of macro idea. Um, then the metaverse is already all around us, right? It's already there. Um, if if you're more of a purist and you're saying, um, no, I believe in this, you know, alternate reality where, you know, everything is connected and everybody's plugged in. Well, um, we're a ways away from that, from a technological feasibility standpoint for, you know, for a variety of reasons where everybody's plugged into the same alternative world. But um, I think um, uh, probably um, John uh, Riccatello is the CEO of Unity. He's He kind of gave the best definition. I, I saw him at, at the AWE conference and um, he said, really, it's the best way to sort of describe it is it's the next version or the next iteration of the internet, right? Um, unlike the internet, the metaverse is probably going to be, he said, mostly real time, um, mostly three-dimensional. Um, mostly interactive, uh, mostly persistent, meaning you know you're assigning objects to specific spaces within that within that space, and then also mostly social. Um, so I think that's probably the best definition if you're if you're trying to really define it um, on a macro level. Um, but at the at the end of the day, um, you know there's tons of opportunity in the broader metaverse space. Uh, for for retailers and for your enterprises right now to use those tools uh, very productively um, for decision making and then as entry points to imagining what a consumer interaction in the metaverse would, would be what how can I use it to engage in exciting new ways with my customer right well the, the, it's cool because 
we're kind of in between the way you're describing it. We're not quite at the red pill, blue pill situation yet. If you're talking about matrix and, and that sort of level of plugging into physically plugging into this world, but we're also at the very early stages of it, right? To your point where there's a lot of interpretation still, of, uh, you know, that can be made, which also means there's a lot of opportunity for, you know, th- there's not a set way of going about this. So we're talking sort of very high level and, and, general terms, cliche kind of things, but like a retailer that is interested in this space right now has the opportunity to sort of make of it what they want to and, and have the, the, their space, their, their virtual space, um, and and just be really creative with it. Um, so what, I mean, you know, kind of, kind of following up on that, you you set the stage where it's, you, you know, kind of that next version of the internet, new way of interacting and engaging. Um, what, what are sort of the, the impacts or, or I guess implications for you guys, like of how a retailer can approach this space or know if it makes sense for them to, to try to, you know, get in this early stage of the metaverse or, or whatever we want to call it. Um, you know, if it makes sense for them. Sure. Yeah. I think it's important to understand that most savvy retailers and brands um, while they might not have yet a very defined strategy are, have either have been for years or are currently exploring their their opportunities in this space. Um, we're firm believers in the value of it from an enterprise level. The, the thing to keep in mind is that, you know, whatever you do in this space, this the, the equity is cumulative, right? If I build a store for testing, for optimization, for you know, part of my workflow or, or whatever it be, assortment management, whatever, whatever it might be. If I build a digital twin for enterprise purposes that strips time and costs on my process, that asset is still relevant. All of those assets from the product on the shelf to the science to anything is still a relevant asset moving forward from a consumer perspective, right? So all the experimentation is cumulative. Unlike the physical world where you wanna try something, you have to tear it down, try something new, or or you know, if you wanna iterate, there's there's kind of a, a, a duplicative you know, investment in that. Everything in this space is has longitudinal equity. And so we always think that from a retailer perspective, you know, starting out, figuring out a way to build these assets for to deliver ROI as part of workflow, as part of your design, as part of your innovation, as part of your optimizing of whatever it might be relative to your business. Um, that's a great place to start. It, it it starts to build knowledge of the space. It starts to accumulate assets. Um, I mean, if you think about what we do, if we send a hundred respondents through a store to shop, to understand if the products are right or in the right spot or doing all that kind of thing. The only real difference between that and actually having the store to, to have consumers shop at is, is a transaction and, you know, and distribution of the product to them at that point, right? The tools are there. They're grabbing products off the shelf and putting them in their basket. So um, there's plenty of starting spots. The retail is um, experimenting all over the place. Um, in a number of different ways and and maybe we can get into some you know more specific yeah. examples of that and that that was you you're reading my mind because that was kind of my follow-up and I know that um you know the conversation to this point it's very experimental and, and as we've been saying like a retailer can approach this space in a, a 
myriad different ways, right? So make of it what they will. But is there sort of a, you know, I can imagine a, a retailer listening to this. They're thinking, is, is the experience for the consumer, they strap on a headset and dive into this virtual world. And are they just walking through a store? Like, what is that for the customer, that experience like right now? Um, at, you know, approaching a, a brand or a, a retail environment in this virtual space. Sure. So most of the direct consumer applications have been in what we call basically 2D, 3D, right? It's it's um, being able to interact with a dimensionalized space within your persistent systems, right? So you'll see a lot of companies doing navigable environments for purchase, for shopping, Um uh, you know, Sam's Club did this when they uh, for the holidays. A lot of these, a lot of these types of things, because they're early on, are more programmatic or promotional or seasonal in nature. It gives retailers the opportunity to sort of test and learn, right? Jump in and jump out without sort of a sustained commitment to it. Learn and use that to to improve. Um, other types of, of experimentations that we're seeing quite a bit for direct consumer applications are on you know on ecosystems like Roblox, right? Um, I mean, it's very attractive. They have, uh, you know, a young, a very young generation of, of, you know, existing and future consumers. And they, there's about 60 million active users daily on their platform. Um, I think Nike published late last year that they had 21 million visitors um, to their Roblox store in 2022. So, you know, the numbers are starting to get to a critical mass um, and you see all of the data from consulting firms and others where, um, you know, the, the, I guess the proliferation of the hardware is starting to get to a point where um, it's very attractive for people. It starts to get to a point where you can, maybe you're not, maybe your investments aren't going to have immediate ROI, but if you look at long-term, you should be doing something now if that's part of your long-term strategy. Otherwise, there's plenty of people that have a lot of experimentation, a lot of learnings, um, and are developing expertise in this space. Yeah, and I mean, that I need to hear, I have a you know young kid here at home, and Roblox is a thing, we know. <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> funny to hear that and, and know that uh, he's probably the test market for these sort of, <laughs> sorts of things. But, um, you know, it, it's neat to hear sort of how brands are taking a, a unique approach to uh, the the space from a strict, you know, a retailer perspective. You mentioned Sam's Club and kind of the the, the promotional approach. Are, are there any unique or other unique applications that you've seen of a retailer going about the space and, and making sort of, um, you know, aside from just having a consumer walk up and down aisles and, and you know, view product virtually, uh, other cool ways that they've gone about approaching the, the virtual commerce experience? Yeah, for sure. I think, and that's part of the value proposition, right? So it's not just, oh, we can make a digital replica of the physical stores and 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 solicit the same behaviors, right? Um, it's really about not subscribing to the laws of physics or pragmatism and being able to do whatever you want in that space. I mean, really, you're not beholding to any of the traditional rules. So it's in a lot of ways, it's not maybe... Maybe it's less interesting to say, oh, yes, there's a value proposition. I can sit on my couch and walk through the store and shop and have it, you know, get all those intuitive cues that I'm accustomed to in the physical world and use those. And it's a big improvement over scrolling through lists of items on the web and all of those types of things. 
well, really, isn't the value proposition that we can do anything we want, right? And so retailers are starting to pick up on this. And it's less about, like, think about in that virtual space, I can layer over any kind of data I want to lay over in that space. Personalization can be hyper, right? I mean, if I don't have a dog, why does my store have a pet food aisle, right? If I don't have an infant, why is there a diaper aisle, right? So th this gives you the ability to build customized things. And if I want to have, you know, we've done concepts where we've taken categories and go, hey, if I only need to have one of every product on a shelf, what can I do with the rest of the space? Or how can I make it interesting? You know, is there, are there things flying through the space? Is there waterfalls? Is there, what it, what does it look like? Because there are no rules. Um, and Target, I think um, this year for Halloween did a cool thing with um, Meta uh, Horizon where they they set up a golf Target store. They took one of their Chicago uh, flagships, downtown stores and, um, you know, turned it into a, a golf marketplace and the, the the assortment was curated to that theme, right? And so um, really it's the, the beauty of VR and the beauty of, you know, what we're working on is that you're not confined by anything um, and you can deliver whatever your idea is because there's there really are no rules. No, that's awesome. And you, you touched on this a bit ago, but I, I want to, you know, something I can imagine being a concern for a lot of retailers considering this is that adoption part of it. And, um, you know, you, you don't want to jump too early because you don't think it's worth the investment because people aren't engaging with it. But the numbers you mentioned, talk about that a little bit, how, you know, it is a, a space that, you know, having been a, a CES attendee for you know, this will be number eight, I think, <laughs> this this coming year. So it's been it's been a while seeing the VR space at, at a show like that take off. Um, but talk about you know sort of how VR is is on the consumer adoption side, and just sort of you know maybe alleviate some of those fears that that a retailer might have. Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple of things. One is um, you know there was a pretty big bump in consumer adoption driven by the pandemic, right? Um, the only thing that really sort of diluted some of that were supply chain issues and, you know, chip issues and those types of things. Um, but if you look at the reporting that are coming out from the big consultancy, this this marketplace is valued anywhere from, you know, uh, 2026 from, you know, 100 billion to multi-trillion dollars, right? Um, all of the the sort of mindset sampling that's out there is, you know, more and more of the populace is open to this. And, and really what it comes down to is, it's kind of this inverse grid where the bear, some of the barriers to adoption really have been cost and the cumbersome nature of the tech infrastructure, the tech stack needed to execute the experience. But now as they're, they're be, tools are becoming less and less or lighter and lighter weight, need the computing power is is you know uh, continuing to advance uh it's becoming much more accessible for the consumer um i mean look at look at facebook transitioning to meta and what they've done i mean that that's a pretty big bet to place you look at the headlines of microsoft and google and even now the much anticipated you know eventual mm -hmm. um uh, announcement from apple right um it, you know the other place to look for a lot of this stuff is I look personally, I look at where the companies that can afford to spend are spending and understand that if it's true that this is the future of the Internet. Then these companies that make a lot of their money in this space are making this investment for a reason. 
and the adoption rates continue to go up and up. The active visitors to places like Horizon World, um, the hardware um, conversion, the hardware sales continue to go up. More and more players are in this space. Uh, more and more companies that were sort of second to the game are building a big part of their business plan around, you know, immersive um, or augmented type of, um, you know, uh, uh, assets or strategies. No, it's I. I mean, it, it's it's moving beyond. Sorry, I feel like a lot of you know you could talk about any technology uh, in and how it sort of starts out and sort the niche maybe like gamer market and eventually it expands and and becomes mainstream and. Um, you know, you see that happening for sure with VR and it, obviously the first application was gaming and, and immersive gaming. And now it's, you know, it's taking shape in, in a way quickly, um, that, that is well beyond just gaming and, and becoming that social tool and, uh, a commerce tool as well. And, um, you know, I, I know we talked about it at the top and, and sort of set the stage for the conversation with, um, some of the ways that you guys got into this space, but I, I know recently ready set put out a, a report on just how, VR technology is kind of shaping retail and, and you know, helping it evolve and, and uh, move into the future. But talk about that a little bit on, on we've, we've heavily focused on the consumer side, but the business side of it and some of the things that you guys were doing early on that you've noticed, um, you know, this, this technology having an impact on things like in-store planning and the market research and, and things like that. So even if, you know, a, a company, an independent retailer may not see necessarily the, the, worth for them right now on the commerce side getting involved in this in this technology but you know what are some of those business applications that that they can lean into a technology like this to you know improve their store or their operations and things like that sure sure i think it's it's important to start out and understand that you know vr is not new right uh it's just new to certain disciplines or certain applications um vr is decades and decades old um, you know, the automotive industry has been using it for a very long time as an early adopter. There's, there's um, you know, military usage, training pilots, all of these types of things has been around a really long time. Um, enterprise is a great, a great place to use VR as I think an entry point to any kind of metaverse strategy because the value proposition is instant and the ROI is instant. Um, let's just take a, you know, a consumable retailer or, um, I guess any kind of retailer for that matter from think about the different operations. You have your product development discipline, right? You have your, um, assortment category level, you know, disciplines, you have the consumer experience, the shopper experience design, the store, the ops, the checkout, all of those things all of those pieces and parts, promotions, programs, all of those things, all of, you can use a time machine to figure out what works and doesn't work across all of those things. And the funny thing, it's the same time machine. So you invest once and you basically, all of those disciplines can behave more effectively, more iteratively, far faster and for far less cost. Um, you know, most retailers have, you know, some sort of dark store or planning store, right? That they use as, as a means to decide what they're going to do. That's one physical box. If I want to take an aisle, any aisle or any category and say, I want to see if this works. I want to see if that works. I have to do it. I have to take it apart. I have to do it again. I have to take it apart. I have to manage all of this inventory, how much all the labor it takes for that. What if I could just put on a headset and do all of that? 
And oh, by the way, while I'm designing a new product, we have, uh, let's just say a new private label product, I can decide before I decide which design to go with, I can understand exactly how it's going to look at shelf within the context of, of that assortment. Um, training is another big application, right? I'm using the same store and the same asset I'm using to plan and optimize my store for next iterations of the experience for the consumer. I'm using to train my retail staff, right? Here's how this should look. Here's where these promotions should be placed. Here's So it's, it's really that being able to take advantage of that build it once and purpose it across all your typical disciplines and workflows in retail in one single ecosystem. And by the way, I can have 10 stores and they're all on my laptop. That's pretty cool. I It's cool to hear because like it's, I mean, I, I'm a technology fan. I, I don't know if you can tell, but <laughs> you know, it, it's fun to talk about this stuff and, and sort of see how, you know, it, it's, it's coming to, to life, I said no pun intended because it's virtual. But you know, th- th- coming to life in a way that is really impacting businesses and brands that are um, taking the time to explore it and invest in it, and and it's neat um, to just see it be used in in ways that you know, as someone that had experienced it from the gaming side of things, to just see it kind of have that business application in the way that you know brands and businesses are using it and. Um, they have help as well, you know, brands like ReadySet that that are there to to help along the way and um, show them the uh, the path to take to to get into this space and how to really utilize it and and improve their business um, and maybe you know dive into the commerce side and and see how uh, you know they can't make a little little cash as well while while doing it. So it's neat. It's cool to see. Yeah, exactly. And and the other part of the barrier that's always persisted is this perception of expense or this perception of needing a third party to execute all of this stuff. And part of the reason that we built ReadySet the way we did is we wanted to deliver a software solution, not a service solution, right? And so what we built is we we eliminated the barriers of our clients' entry point into to be functional in VR. We have a library of all the assets. We have the stores. We have all these things. If you want to put a, a, a shipper over here, you grab it and you put it over there. If you want to merchandise it, you merchandise it. So. It's really um, that software solution and delivering that autonomy for our clients to be able to do what they want, whenever they want, wherever they want throughout their throughout their process, rather than saying, yeah, we had a company that did VR five years ago. It was super expensive and took forever, and we had to rely on them for everything. We just want to put the power of VR in the hands of the consumer as a software solution. No, that's awesome. Cool to see what you're doing, and um, you know, I, I think a, a unique story that we'll continue to follow. And if Hey, if you're in the New York area and you're you're listening to this ahead of the the show, uh, January fifteenth through seventeenth, am I getting? I believe the dates are the NRF Big Show. You guys will be up there and showcasing this um, in a a new area. I think the first time they're doing, or or maybe it's a you know they're really expanding it this year. Um, kind of that that metaverse section of the show where where you guys will be on display and uh, talking about what what you're doing for the industry. So. Yeah, we're excited for that. And um, yeah, we welcome anyone to stop by and, and put on a headset and go shopping. No, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, Steve, we uh, appreciate the time and, and your uh, willingness to dive into this and shed some light on the metaverse and virtual reality uh, shopping and that retail experience in this space. So cool conversation. And, um, you know, best of luck at the show. And, and like I said, look forward to continuing following your, continuing to follow your story and, and see where, uh, you know, you guys go in this space. So we appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, Enjoyed the conversation. Look forward to the next one. 
awesome. And thanks again to Steve. That was, uh, a, like I said, a fun one, one that I was looking forward to. We've had this on the calendar for a bit and uh, getting to talk to him about the metaverse and, and the virtual reality space and sort of how it's evolved itself over time. Uh, and as well as, you know, allowing the, the retail space to kind of dive into the future of, of what shopping could look like. So a fun conversation, one that, um, you know, we were excited to have. And, and you know, I, I hope that you picked up a thing or two and learned about how VR can be applied to the independent retail space. So uh, appreciate Steve and, and everything he is doing and, and his time and, and spending it with us. And as always, appreciate you listening to the Independent Thinking Podcast. And we'll catch you next time.